Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning, I think still virtually by Sharon and Mark McNamara, owners of Boston Connect Real Estate and Pembroke. Uh, We spent some time. Thank you for still joining me. It's very comforting. Um, Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear your part of all of this because I've been so busy doing what I'm doing. I need to learn more about this. And (laughs) I have a a call with my accountant at 10.05. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. So, yeah, what we wanted to spend, um, what I wanted to spend the next hour on are some of the items in the new legislation called the CARES Act. Um, of course, I just put down my piece of paper what that stands for. Congress is so good at uh, at coming up with cute little names for their legislation. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is the CARES Act. It was passed uh, last Friday, March 27th. Coronavirus Aid Relief and en- Economic Security Act. Darn, you're good, Tim. You are good. Oh, don't thank me. Thank Google. <laughs> yes, thank yes. you, Google. I, my go- I'm not. I'm slower at googling than you, apparently. Um, yeah. So, so this is a several hundred page legislation. I did not read all. I looked at the PDF on online. It was like 345 pages. Somebody said it was 800 pages, but I saw like 340 pages when I pulled it up. Um, and uh, I did not read it, but I there's a well-known blogger in our industry who um, I'm relying on as a source. He's uh, Michael Kitsis. His blog is The Nerd's Eye View, and he's he does a really good job about breaking down stuff like that and um, and and giving examples and and um and making it easier to understand so uh that's a good resource and the the blog is you i subscribe to it and there's benefits to that but anyone can um find that blog on the website and i also did a breakdown of this and put it on our website on our blog as well a very shortened version of this um so some of the, what's so the if, name of his website again Sorry. uh kitsies k uh k-i-t-c-e-s kitsies.com and mm-hmm. uh, his blog is called The Nerd's Eye View. He's a very well-known blogger in our industry, uh, very reputable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was using uh, that his blog, which is very long. If you go to print that out, it's almost 30 pages. Um, mm-hmm. And I sort of did like an even shorter version of that in bulleted format on our blog, McNamaraFinancial.com. And if you click learn, it's, it's right there. So mm-hmm. um, th- there's a lot in that, uh, the CARES Act, including enhancements to unemployment benefits and including some small business loan and uh, programs. 
Uh, but what I wanted to talk about today were the impact, were first of all, the rebate checks um, that, that about 90% of Americans will be getting here in the coming weeks. And then also the changes to required distributions and ability to take money from retirement accounts. Um, so the rebate checks are... Um, what it is is a is a, a credit against your 2020 income. So any taxpayer that filed a 2018 or a 2019 return, um, subject to income limitations that we'll go over in a moment, is eligible for um, the rebate checks. So what it is is it's a credit against your 2020 tax tax taxes due and a credit is a dollar for dollar reduction of taxes due. So it's a credit against your 2020 taxes, but they're advancing it and paying them out basically a year early because normally you wouldn't see any benefits of a 2020 credit until 2021. So it's like an advance of a credit mm -hmm. against your 2020 taxes and they're using, and it's called a refundable credit, meaning they're actually paying out dollars. People are going to be receiving checks in the mail or deposits into bank accounts on file with the IRS. And the anticipation is that those will be coming in May. I think the legislation just kind of said as soon as possible. And, the, and the, the assumption is that the Treasury is going to be getting those out in May. So, so though it's a 2020 credit, it is based uh, the, the um, how, how they're determining who is eligible is based on either a 2018 or a 2019 tax return that's on file. And so basically because taxes are now extended to July 15th of this year, 2019 taxes, you have until July 15th to file, you don't have to have a, a 2019 tax return on file for them to determine if you're eligible for the credit. They will use your 2018 return. Having said that, if you already filed your 2019 taxes, I believe they're going to be using that to determine eligibility, not your 29, not your 2018 taxes. So it's based on they're using either your 18 or 19 tax return, uh, whichever is on file, to determine eligibility for the credit. So what the credit is is again subject to income uh, phaseouts, which we'll talk about in a second. For, so single filers, um, so sorry, married couples filing jointly their credit is up to $2,400. And a single or a head of household filer uh, is eligible for up to $1,200 in terms of this this credit that they'll receive in the mail and or, or in a bank account. And then anyone who has a child, a dependent child under the age of 17 is eligible for up to $500 for each eligible child under age 17. Okay, so a single uh, filer with one child under the age of 17 would be eligible for up to $1,700. A married couple filing jointly with two children under the age of 17 would be eligible for up to $3,400 because it's $2,400 for a married couple plus 500 for each dependent child. And again, these are all subject to income limitations. People that are higher income earners will phase out of eligibility uh, for this tax credit. So, and by the way, it's important to note that if you have a child who is 17, that is not considered an eligible child. It is under the age of 17. And I believe it's under the age of 17 effective 2020. Um, and I'm not sure the exact date. I don't know if they have to be under under 17 as of January 1, 2020, that, those details, I'm not sure. People could ask their accountant on that. Um, so what it is is, so for people whose adjusted gross income, so adjusted gross income is a number that is listed on your tax return. So people that have a copy of their 18 or their 19 tax return can look for this number. It's on line 8B as in boy on their form 1040, which is like page one of their federal tax return, adjusted gross income is listed. So this is how the government is determining eligibility. So for um, a married couple filing jointly, if adjusted gross income or AGI is $150,000 or less, they are fully eligible for the refund plus fully eligible for any dependent child credit, $500 for each dependent child under age 17. If a 
So someone, someone filing single is fully eligible for the credit if their adjusted gross income is $75,000 or less. Okay, so people, and then I'll go over the phase outs in a minute. So if your adjusted gross income as a married couple is $150,000 or less, you will be eligible for the full credit of 2,400 plus 500 for each child under 16. I'm sorry, under 17. And single, if your adjusted gross income is $75,000 or less, fully eligible for the $1,200 credit plus 500 for each child under 17. So, but then there's, so people who, an adjusted gross income is, it's a, it's a, there are several factors that go into adjusted gross income. It's not the same as gross income. It factors in any contributions to retirement plans or IRAs, um, and it factors in a few other things. So best to just, you know, if you're like, oh, I make $80,000 as a single person, I'm not going to be eligible. It's best to just look at your line 8B mm -hmm. of your tax return to determine because your adjusted gross income is generally less is less than your gross income. Um, so people that have adjusted gross incomes over those amounts, 150,000 for a married couple or 75,000 for a single, their rebate is phased out $5 for every $100 over that adjusted gross income. So it's kind of a complicated phase out because it depends on how many kids you have. Um, it's not like a straight line phase out for a married or a single person because it depends on the number of kids. So basically for, for every, um, so the dollars above your adjusted gross income, like say a married couple has 160,000 of adjusted gross income, which is $10,000 over the limit of 150. You multiply that $10,000 by 5% and that's 500 bucks. Did I do that math right? Yeah. So, so 500 bucks. So their credit is reduced by $500. So again, the amount that, the amount that they'll get, it depends on how many kids they have. So it's kind of a complicated phase out. And if you go to um, that nerd's eye view or that Michael Kitsy's blog, post on the CARES Act. He actually has a pretty easy to understand chart. And I do link to his blog from mine. Uh, he has a pretty easy to understand chart of how people will phase out of eligibility based on how many kids they have and whether or not they're single or married. Um, Alyssa, yeah, on, your, on your example there, let's just pretend they had no children. So it was a married couple. So they're eligible um, in using your same example. So 160, right? So times 5%. Yep. So they were originally eligible for $2,400. This Correct. is not thinking about kids involved. Correct. So basically they would be less 500. So they will then get 1,900. That's correct. Yes. Okay. And let's say that Scooping they, up. let's say that married couple had two kids. So they were, mm -hmm. they were going to be eligible for $3,400 in a rebate, a refund check. Um, they, if again, they were $10,000 over that uh, income limit, 5% mm -hmm. of that 10,000 or 500 bucks is reduced. So then if they had two kids, they would be okay. eligible for, they would be receiving $2,900. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's is why- Is it only for two children? Is that- No, I don't, I don't think there's a limit to the number of children. Okay. I have not read anything about it being a limit. The only limitation is that the child has to be under age 17. Okay. okay? So if mm -hmm. they have eight children under the age of 17, good Lord, God bless them anyway. <laughs> and that must be a busy household right now. But that is an additional uh, $4,000 on top of a married filing joint rebate of 2400 again, subject to phase out or elimination. Some people that are higher income earners will completely phase out of eligibility. So there will be some people that aren't receiving mm -hmm. any of these checks. So the idea is that, you know, they're, they're trying to send these rebates to people that they think um, need them the most. And based on what I'm reading, they, the estimate is that about 90% of taxpayers will receive some sort of a rebate, maybe not a full rebate, uh, but will receive some dollars in the form mm -hmm. of this rebate. And I guess, and what I'm reading is that these are just automatically going to be sent to people based on, again, either the 2018 or the 2019 tax return on file. If someone is is an older taxpayer and is receiving social security benefits direct deposited into their bank account, the treasury is just going to use that same bank account to drop the amount of the rebate in. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Or if someone received a refund on their 2018 or 2019 taxes and had it direct deposited into a bank account, the treasury is going to use that same bank account on file in the last couple of years to send the rebate to. And if there's no bank account on file, they're going to be mailing, I guess, physical checks to whatever address they had on file from that most recent tax return. So these are just automatic. People don't have to do anything to initiate it. Um, They just have to wait. And if they, and again, I don't know the timing. I haven't heard anything else other than that they're estimating that these will come in May. I think they're obviously trying to do those as, do this as soon as possible. Um, But of course, this will take a little bit of time. Um, So just a couple things to note on that, which I think are interesting. So for someone who, let's say someone um, was a, high income earner in 18 or 19, whatever tax return they have on file. So let's say they made $250,000 in uh, 2019 and they already filed their taxes. So that person will be ineligible for the rebate um, unless they have lots of kids. Uh, They will be uh, ineligible for the rebate based on income. But let's say in 2020, they were laid off or furloughed and their income goes down significantly. And let's say in 2020, their income goes down to $100,000 and maybe Uh if it's a married couple filing jointly. So in 2020, they're actually eligible for the rebate, but the government doesn't know that until a year from now when Mm -hmm. that person goes to file uh, their taxes. So that person who was a high income earner and is not eligible based on what the IRS currently knows, but becomes eligible as a result of whatever happens in 2020 and income being reduced, that person will actually still receive the rebate, but it will be about a year from now. So, mm-hmm. you know, some people might be like, ah, oh, too little, too late, you know, but it, but they mm-hmm. still will receive it. It's just that the IRS doesn't know yet about their 2020 taxes and, and people mm-hmm. can't really expect that. So, um, so that's one thing to note. Another thing to note is that if someone is had lower income in 2018 and 19, and then for whatever reason has uh, higher income this year in calendar 2020, maybe they're in the um, medical supply you know, business or something and they have a higher income this year. And if it turns out that in 2020, they actually weren't eligible for the rebate, but they already received it, the government will not take it back. They, those, those people essentially got lucky mm-hmm. and that they qualified mm-hmm. for it now, they received the money and it looks like there's no provision in there where the government is going to be looking for that money back if next year that person proves to be ineligible. Does that make sense? Yes. And let me, can I ask you a question too? Yeah. I don't even know if there is such a thing. Is there a cost of living index for, you know, like each state or things like that? We were, t- we were having dinner last night. Um, we got takeout and I um, and I think that it's a great thing to continue to do for our local restaurants, by the way. Yeah. Um, so we did takeout for my birthday dinner and Casey and Dustin were home and we were talking about, you know, this rebate and if there was like some type of an index, because we were talking about like the cost of living in South Carolina, for yeah. example, where Mackenzie is, versus being, you know, having an apartment in South Carolina for $800 a month versus being somebody in Boston who has a $3,200 rent, you know? Right. It's no. It's interesting that they didn't. <laughs> is there a cost yeah. of. There isn't? Uh, no. Th- oh. This is, to my knowledge, this is, this is a blanket federal. Uh, amount and a blanket federal uh, phase out threshold. So that that is not what I do. What I do think is state specific in this legislation is unemployment benefits. Mm. Unemployment benefits are determined and those are state specific. Like some states Mm -hmm. pay unemployment for more weeks than other states and their calculations are different. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, and and so, even though unemployment insurance has been enhanced as a result of the CARES Act, and and the mm-hmm. enhancement is blanket at the federal level, I believe still the specifics about unemployment are state specific. But no, the the rebate checks, I have not seen anything about them being adjusted for cost of living in different states. This is a mm-hmm. I, honestly, I, I I'm a numbers person, but that makes my head spin thinking about customizing that state by state. I think in order for them to roll this out quickly. It, they they just made it a blanket. This is what yeah. it is. The amount is what it is. The threshold, the income thresholds are what they are. Yeah, but that's a good yeah. question. I, yeah, I understand cost of living is different. Um, mm-hmm. 
Do they have an index for that? I wonder. They must, right? Uh, for every state? I don't know. I didn't I don't think know. that we were going to be doing it, but I just we were just having a conversation last night, you know, just general chit-chat yeah. around, you know, the fireplace and scrabble with wine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds lovely. Uh, on a rain, yeah. on like a rainy Friday night, too. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, I know, um, but perfect. I don't know. I don't know anything thing about that um yeah. like if how mm-hmm. federal no i mean all like in, in the world of personal finance and you know roth eligibility limits and an amount of mm-hmm. contribution limits to retirement accounts th- those are never adjusted uh based mm-hmm. on where you live that's just a that's again like a just a blanket federal policy mm-hmm. okay yep. um mm-hmm. so those are the rebate checks and again it's it's a little bit for the people whose adjusted gross incomes are greater than 150,000 married filing joint and greater than 75,000 for a single. And what I actually didn't mention is head of household, which is a different filing status, that the adjusted gross income threshold is 112,500. For the people whose AGI is above those limits, it's a little bit of a, you have to do a little bit of math to determine, uh, well, you don't, the government is doing a little bit of math to determine uh, what your eligibility is, as you will start to phase out of eligibility for those rebate checks. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, uh, we're gonna take a call. We've got Tom from Kingston. Tom, you're, you're in the world of accounting. This is right up your alley. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm so confused. Oh, no. <laughs> what that was probably the, uh, me, Tom, that did it. <laughs> what happens to the uh, dependent that has worked, say, for example, at the local store and made uh, a 16-year-old that made, you know, six $7,000 that year? So, do they qualify for the 1200 or do they qualify uh, for no, nothing? No, I think if you're... Uh, if you're listed as a dependent on your parent's tax return, it'll be the parent eligible for the 500. And, and that's it. And I believe that's it. So what I what I do think though is I had a question from a uh, client regarding someone who was 16 last year, turning 17 this year, will be that's filing their own tax return in 2020. So that that so what I understand is that so first of all the the things will have changed like there will be there's a few things surrounding the difference between 18 19 and 20 tax returns for people like someone might not have had a dependent child in 2019 but they had a kid born in 2020 right so so that person won't receive the $500 credit now for the child that was born in 2020 but it will be rectified when they go to file their 2020 taxes and they will eventually get that 500 for that child that was born. And so I, th- and I, 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 that this, I don't a hundred percent know, but I think the same is true. Like for, for us, like for someone who didn't file a tax return as an adult, as an independent in 2018 or 19, but then files a tax return in 2020 as a, as a single they're not going to get that $1,200 right now because the IRS hasn't determined eligibility. But then a year from now, when they go to file as a single, that they will be eligible for it. It's just a year later than most other people. So I, the government is going to go, there's going to be some sort of a process where it's, but don't forget where it's the rectified. 17, the 16-year-old has to file a tax return, even though they're, they are a dependent. Yeah, so that I, that I, don't, that I don't know, Tom. Like, I... I my thought was that they would get the parent would get the. F- oh, I don't know. I don't know, Tom. I don't. That, no, I that know. one I, I don't do. know. Yeah. And I do have a nephew. He called me yesterday. Yeah. Listen to this. He's seventeen. <laughs> Does he qualify? You know, I was like, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I, I th- yeah. We'll find out soon yeah. enough. I know if you get that. A check in the mail. You'll I know. know. I, or direct deposit. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is that like they're gonna do their. So what people have to remember is that it's actually a twenty calendar tax year 2020 credit so really it's going to be whatever your tax whatever their tax situation is in 2020 that's that's what it's ultimately based on but they're just trying to get it out to people as early as possible so they're using 18 or 19 returns to to do their best to estimate you know and then they're going to rectify it a year from now Here's the next question. Hold on, Tom. Tom, hold that question for after the break. We're we're not going away. We've got another 30 minutes. Can you hold for for a minute for the break? All right. Great. Uh, You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking right now about the CARES Act and some of the impacts on uh, people's personal finances in in the form of the rebate checks. And we're going to talk, we're going to get into required distributions being suspended and ability to draw from retirement accounts to avoid penalty. Um, We're going to take a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Been talking about a few things this morning. Um, we talked the, for the first hour about the impact of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Honestly, a term that I would not like to hear ever again, but I feel like I'm going to hear that for a long time to come. Uh, we've been talking about the impact of that on the real estate market. And joining me this morning are Sharon uh, McNamara, owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, and her husband, Mark McNamara. Uh, thank you guys for staying with me. And yeah. um, now we're chatting about some details in the CARES Act, which is relatively new legislation. Uh, end of March that was passed and uh, there are some impacts to personal finance. We were touching on the um, the rebate checks. Um, still, a, I, I understand a lot of it, but still a little bit fuzzy to me. But um, Tom, during the break, I was trying to trying to get trying to figure out your question regarding like a 16 year old who has income and is filing their own tax return last year turned 17 this year. What happens? And I, I don't 100 percent know, Tom, my guess is that because because in because last year they were technically still a dependent of their parents. I'm assuming their parent will get the 500. And then if that person turns 17 in 2020 and then files his or her own tax return uh, as a single filer. Although actually, Tom, you're a dependent of your, of your parent on their tax return until 19. So I'm not sure if that person would, that 17 year old would be eligible for the 1200 in 2020, even at 17. Even though he's a taxpayer. Even though he's a taxpayer. Even though on, on line eight on his tax return, oh. he shows an income. Yeah. I, d I don't 100% know Taxable the answer to that. What, what's your next question? Let's go to one that I might have the answer to. Someone I actually reached out away. to my accountant, by the way. Oh, what did he say? Someone he that hasn't passed responded away. Yet. Okay. Go ahead, Tom. Yep. I'm sorry. When someone has passed away in year 2020, mm. will there be a, a check deposit into their account that will go to their estate or whatever the situation may be? Yeah, that, that I don't know. Well, there would be a, if the person passes in 2020, there would be a final tax return. Correct. So. But right now, that hasn't been filed yet. Right. And this is for, based on 18 and 19. It's, so will right. the surviving spouse get that? Or if the person's by himself, will it just go to his estate? Right. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm hoping. We tried. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually hoping to do another. Um, show in more detail on the CARES Act next weekend. And I'm going to try to get, I know accountants are really busy, but not as busy as they normally would be this time of year. So I'm going to try to get an accountant to come on for part of the show and help me understand some of these things. And maybe we'll have some more answers sure. um, next weekend. What I wanted to do today was just kind of do some high level touches on it, but there's a lot in here. So I wanted to touch on it again next week. So if you don't Sharon, get it answered before next weekend, mm -hmm. stay tuned. Sharon, you're still there? I am. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank and you. I, I got your little thing on Facebook. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that uh, when this is all over, Mark's going to take you out for a nice birthday <laughs> dinner somewhere. Uh, I'm sure he will, but we had a great night last night. I don't know if you listened to the beginning of the show. I mean, I you know, it. when you have lemons, you make lemonade. And we had a great dinner from Mother Anna's. We had wine, and I had my daughter and her boyfriend. We had a fire, and we played Scrabble. It was perfect. <laughs> wow, that's very nice. Mm -hmm. was, and lots uh, of tulips. I told people I like tulips. I got lots of tulips. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lady in the park here where I live, and uh, her birthday was the other day, and a couple people came over out front of the house, and they sang happy birthday to her. Oh, that's lovely. And had a, a police like a car show cake. up in my driveway. <laughs> a police yeah. car showed up in my driveway, a local friend Isn't who was in nice? the police department, and he sang... Happy birthday to me through the speakerphone. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Well, listen, I hope right. you guys have a good weekend. Thank you, Great Tom. Great show as usual. Take care. Bye have bye. a good one. Bye-bye. Um, all right, there's a couple more things that we got about 25 more minutes. There's a couple more things I wanted to get into regarding the CARES Act. Um, so very notably, in my world anyway, um, people that uh, required minimum distributions from IRAs have been eliminated for calendar 2020. So for people that, so this includes people that uh, in 2019, uh, by 1231 of 2019 were 70 and a half or older. So for people that are in required, and this is complicated because required distributions, the age at which people start just changed as a result of the SECURE Act last year um, to age 72, but people um, turning 72 
People that were turned 70 and a half by 1231 of 19 are in required distributions. So, however, so anyone that was supposed to take a required distribution from their IRA or their inherited IRA, otherwise known as a beneficiary IRA, anyone scheduled to take that in 2020, those are being forgiven, suspended, eliminated, whatever word you want to call it. Important to note that they're not, it's not postponed. Some people are asking me, well, if I don't take it now, am I going to have to take a, a two of them next year? The answer is no. They are being eliminated for calendar 2020. So this is for people that inherited an IRA from either a spouse or a non-spouse, people that inherit money from um, parents or aunts or uncles and things like, or siblings, things like that, they have what are called beneficiary IRAs. And many people that inherit an IRA from someone who's not a spouse open what's called a beneficiary IRA, or some people call that a stretch IRA. And those people have to take required distributions every year. However, those are also forgiven for 2020. So people over 70 and a half and people that have inherited IRAs do not have to take their required distribution for 2020. The government is thinking, well, you know, the markets are down in value. They don't want people to have to draw funds out of the account when the accounts are down significantly in value. That's not always um, what lo what logistically happens, for example, we for people that draw money out of uh, retirement accounts, uh, our clients, for example, we already have a cash position in the account for them. So we would be drawing out of the cash position and not selling things down in value anyway. But what this, but in situations like that, where someone does have that stable position that they were drawing out of, it allows that stable position to last longer. So if the recovery from this down market is longer than we hope it will be, then someone could use that cash position to satisfy next year's required distribution and maybe the year after that required distribution. So it's buying people so it's either buying people more time to let their money recover from the this temporary downturn or it's allowing people to avoid having to sell positions when they're down in value if that would have been the case for calendar 2020. So a couple of things on that. For someone um, who has who's over the age of 70 and a half or for someone who has an inherited IRA from a spouse, those people, if they already took their required distribution this year, they can put it back. If they put it back within 60 days, it's very simple, no questions asked. So the people that took their money out in like mid-February or later, they can just work with their financial institution or their advisor to just put the money back if they say, oh, whoops, I don't actually want to take that money. And also this putting it back or foregoing the required distribution for the year allows people to avoid paying income taxes on the money. So, excuse me, if you put it back within 60 days and you haven't already done that this calendar year, which would, which, which would be rare. So you can put it back, no questions asked within 60 days. Again, if you are... Uh, if, if it's your own retirement account because you're over 70 and a half, or if you inherited an IRA from your spouse. If someone took out this required distribution like in January or early February, so more than 60 days ago, those people can still put it back, but there's a little caveat that they would have to prove that it, they were some way impacted by the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, and it's pretty broad in how people can prove that they were impacted by either having the virus themselves or someone in their immediate family having the virus or some sort of a, um, you know, their life in some way changed as a result of the coronavirus. They weren't able to work, things like that. So it's pretty broad in terms of how people can qualify. Um, but just, just so that people know, if you've already taken your required distribution, and you want to take advantage of not having to take it, there are likely steps you can take to put it back. Um, one other thing to note on that, so for people that have inherited IRAs or beneficiary IRAs, for those people, if, they, if, if you did not already take your required distribution, you don't have to. But if you already took your required distribution and you're a beneficiary of an IRA, you can't put it back. So that's one little thing that people should note. The people that have inherited IRAs and they already took it, those people cannot take it back, unfortunately, but they are forgiven for everyone else who has not yet taken it. All right, did I explain that okay? No questions on that one? 
I don't have any questions. All right. I, I have you to really be watching all that stuff for me. Okay. <laughs> well, you're not old enough to be in required distributions anyway. Um, yeah. So another couple of uh, things to note. So the government is trying to make it easier for uh, for people to withdraw or borrow money from their retirement accounts be- mm-hmm. if they were impacted by COVID-19. So for example, in normal years, um, people that draw, that take money out of their IRAs, 401ks, simple IRAs, um, any retirement account, if people take money from that, before they're 59 and a half. In normal years, they would pay income taxes and a 10% federal tax penalty. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about borrowing, I'm talking about distributing money, taking money out of their retirement accounts. For 2020, distributions from retirement accounts that and if the taxpayer can prove that they were in some way impacted by COVID-19, the 10% penalty is going to be forgiven, waived. They, mm-hmm. People that draw money out of their IRA, let's say somebody's 45 and they lost their job, God forbid, and they didn't have an emergency account and they need to access money from their IRA. So in 2020, if again, they, and I don't know how the IRS is, what they're gonna be looking for for documentation, but, um, but if someone can prove that they were impacted by COVID-19, someone under 59 and a half can withdraw funds from retirement accounts. They will still pay income taxes, federal and state, if you have state income taxes as we do in Massachusetts, but you will not have to pay the 10% additional tax penalty if you take the money out in calendar 2020. And and, uh, COVID-19 related distributions, the qualifications are you are either um, diagnosed with COVID-19, you have a spouse or dependent diagnosed with COVID-19, you experience adverse financial consequences as a result of being quarantined, furloughed, laid off, or having work hours reduced because of the disease, or you're unable to work because you lacked childcare as a result of the disease, or you own a business that is closed or operated under reduced hours due to COVID-19. And then there's like this general uh, qualification that you meet some, that there's some other reason that the IRS decides is okay. So it was like, the qualifications to me are, they're written in a pretty broad way. I think they're trying to make it like fairly easy for a lot of people to qualify for this. And again, it's not a forgiveness of taxes. It's just that 10% early IRA withdrawal penalty is waived for calendar 2019. And I should caveat, I should uh, note that this is only for distributions up to $100,000. So if someone takes three hundred and fifty thousand out of their retirement account, just the first hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that ten percent penalty is waived. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, one other um, important thing to note on that: again, in normal years, if someone had taken money out of an IRA and then for whatever reason they wanted to put it back, um, they maybe they just had like a really short term loan to themselves and they sold something and they wanted to pay their retirement account back. In normal years, people could put retirement account money back into their account within 60 days and taxes were avoided. It was like a wash. I took money out and if I put it back within 60 days, uh, no taxes due. That was That's always a rule, but you can only do it once in a calendar year, but that's always been a rule, the 60 day rule. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of COVID-19, the people that are drawing money out of IRAs um, and, and they've, they've been impacted by the virus, the government is actually, they're giving them three years to put money back into their retirement accounts. So significantly longer than 60 days. So the, so the government is essentially making it easier for you to borrow money from yourself and you can put the money back into your retirement account within three years of the date of withdrawal. So you can roll back funds into the IRA and when you roll those funds back into your IRA, you avoid mm-hmm. the taxes. So like if someone takes 50,000 out of their IRA this year, If they never put it back, they pay taxes on that $50,000 in federal and state. They they would not pay the premature distribution penalty if they were impacted by the virus. Mm -hmm. But if they end up putting that money back in before December 31st of this year, they avoid those taxes altogether. It was like a wash transaction. And so then, then when they go to file their taxes, that $50,000 withdrawal was not taxable because the funds were rolled back in. 
So you can so essentially basically like a little loan. It's to like yourself. a it's like a loan to yourself. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. n- but beyond that, the government is giving people thirty six months to pay your retirement account back. So people are back on their feet. Hopefully, thirty six months from now, and that fifty thousand that they took, you know what? Now I'm going to put it back into my IRA. Don't forget that getting money into your IRA in normal years, you're limited on how much you can put in. So they're allowing people to get that money back in, not subject to those normal limitations. They're allowing people to put back in what they borrowed, what they took from their own account. And just what, if, if you do it in, if you take money out in 2020 and then you want to roll it back in next year in 21 or the year after that in 22 or the year after that, um, then you have to amend your tax return return in order to forego, in order to not have the taxes due. It would it would require a tax amendment uh, when you put the money back in. But that's if that's you know. But but still, you're able to avoid the taxes because you roll the fund back in. So they're yeah, they're essentially making it really easy for people to borrow money from themselves and mm-hmm. get that money back into your retirement account and have that money you know continue to grow tax deferred at a later date. So that's pretty cool. In my world, mm-hmm. there's not a there's there's a lot to be excited about in my world. But that but that is pretty cool that they're allowing people to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. And so again, I just, and then I'll touch on 401ks in a minute, but again, the, 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 in order for someone to, um, have that 10% premature pre 59 and a half, uh, tax penalty waived for taking money out of a retirement account, they just at, and again, I don't know the specifics of what the IRS is going to be looking for. I don't know if they're going to be looking for medical records. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know their ability to, to really even monitor that for millions and millions of people. But um, they're saying that in order for these to, ha- to receive these tax benefits, people will have to be proving that they were in some way affected by COVID-19. But again, it's pretty broad. Obviously, the diagnosis itself of you or anyone in your immediate family um, or adverse financial consequences as a result of being uh, quarantined, furloughed, laid off, hours reduced, uh, business closed or hours reduced or just unable to work for some reason related to COVID-19. So it's pretty broad. So they're doing what they can to help. Um, And then the last one that I just wanted to touch on for today was that they're making it easier for people to borrow money from or take loans from their 401ks. So not all 401k plans allow uh, employees to take loans, but many of them do. So if your 401k plan allows you to take a loan, uh, in normal years, people could borrow 50% of the value of their 401k up to a maximum of $50,000. So if you're in last year, if your 401k was $100,000, you could have borrowed 50, up to $50,000 and taken a loan from that. And then you pay it, you know, you pay that loan back over time, just like you pay back a normal loan. Uh, but you pay it back through your salary deferrals through your employer. But the as a result of the CARES Act, there are now increased limits for 401k loans. So people are able to borrow now 100% of the balance of their 401k. Important to note the vested balance, like some people have vesting schedules if their employer makes contributions to the account for them. Sometimes those employer contributions don't become yours for a period of time. That's called vesting. So someone has to work there for several years sometimes for them to receive those employer funds. But so now people can borrow in terms of a 401k loan up to 100% of the vested value in that 401k with a maximum of $100,000. So they doubled the um, they doubled the amount that people can borrow from a 401k. So if you have $500,000 in a 401k, you can borrow mm-hmm. up to $100,000. If you have $100,000 in a 401k, you can borrow up to $100,000. Um, so there, and that's for calendar 2020. Um, and uh, again, the people, and again, there is that stipulation where the taxpayer um, it says that they will have to prove that they were in some way affected by COVID-19. They're calling it a coronavirus-related um, distribution, and there's some qualifications on that. So, so they're making it, I mean, 
the government, uh, you know, I, I, I respect the people that are politicians right now. I would not want to be a politician right now. I think they're making some mm-hmm. really difficult decisions. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, but I, I think that they're doing what they can to help people get through this. I mean, the government doesn't want to see um, a long period, a long recession or a deep recession. They don't want to see us go into a depression. I mean, they're, they're doing what mm-hmm. they can to help people through these tough times. And, and I respect people that are in those professions right now. I, I, I wouldn't want to be a, uh, yeah. a, a politician right now. They're, I mean, you know, they're, they're, pe- they're choosing life over the economy. And I think that that's, you know, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's going to be so, some significant economic impact as a result of, of the quarantine and the social distancing and the businesses closing down. And that's really unfortunate, but they're doing what they really can to help tough people. Really tough decisions that yeah. they have to make, you know, and I think... I've just been, you know, watching so much news and I think it's, you can see the stress that they're under, you know, you saw, you know, the governor Baker, you know, crying the other day when a million masks were delivered. You're seeing, um, you know, the governor of New York and he's emotional as well, you know what I mean? So you can see the emotional toll that all of this is taking on them because of these decisions that they have to make. Oh yeah, it's awful. And I, you know, Mm Say what you will about the president, and um, uh, you know, but he, that is a that is a tough position mm. to be in right now, and probably mm-hmm. always. But I, but I think I've, yeah. people are sort of reminded how how difficult that job is now, and yeah. um, and really anyone that's that's leading a, a state or a city or a uh, or the country right now. But and I do yeah. think that you're seeing the country come together in the the towns and the states and everything too, because. You know, one of the things that sort of we haven't heard anything about the election and there hasn't been any bashing out there. I think that everybody truly just wants to come together and fix this for the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sort of heartwarming. Yeah. So if anyone has um, further questions on the CARES Act, so I on my website, McNamaraFinancial.com, we have a blog and I just did like a bulleted sort of high level overview of the rebate checks. Uh, the required minimum distribution suspension for 2020, uh, a little bit, some details regarding returning uh, people's uh, required distributions if they already withdrew them from the account, and then a little bit of detail on that 10% early penalty being waived and the 401k limit. So I have some high-level detail there and like bulleted, easy-to-read format. Um, but like I said, I think a really good resource, a resource that I use personally is a very well-known blogger in my industry, Michael Kitsis, K-I-T-C-E-S. He did not even, he doesn't even know me, he did not even pay me to say that, but I, <laughs> I read his blog a lot. Um, I've never met him personally, but I very much respect him. He's, he's respected and well-known in my industry. So uh, he has like a, on his website, kitsis.com, K-I-T-C-E-S. I don't actually know if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. My dad mm-hmm. calls him Kitschies, but I, I say oh Kitschies. I know. Um, I tried calling you last week when your father said, Ariana Grandy. Did he? <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Um, he was on with Justin. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. The things the things that we say that date us, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I spent 20 minutes on the phone with my dad yesterday trying to get him on a Zoom call. <laughs> and I was like, we did a Zoom call literally the day before and he got on successfully by himself. And then the next oh. day he couldn't he couldn't do it. I was like, oh my God. Um, but anyway, it's, yeah. So anyway, that that's a good resource for people that have questions. And other than that, um, if you have got, well, people have, some people have free time right now and you could read the 400 page legislation and make sense of that. Mm. Um, so yeah, anyway, so Sharon and Mark, thank you for joining me. We just have a few minutes left. So why don't you give out your mm-hmm. contact info and then any last minute little tidbits for buyers and sellers out there for real estate sure. people? Yep. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so you can reach us at bostonconnect.com. All our contact information is there. Uh, my cell phone number I'm giving out because we're not in the office, although that number is going somewhere else. Um, my cell phone is 781-294-4848, um, And again, bostonconnect.com. We have all kinds of information out there too. And my suggestion just for our listeners is, you know, just keep in mind from a real estate perspective, yes, things are changing, uh, but there are people out there working your team whoever that is for real estate um, is definitely working in conjunction with everybody else that's trying to get things done for you and done in a timely manner. Keep in mind, this is a health crisis, not a real estate crisis, and this too shall pass. And for, um, for the best part of everything I have to say today is keep the faith. Absolutely. Um, I 100% agree. People need to keep the faith. I've had a lot of conversations with investors recently and my clients about 
about the very same thing. And I try to do a lot of, you know, training in advance with my clients and letting them know that bear markets such as this are normal. They're a necessary evil. They on, uh, on average come about every 10 years. It's, it had been about 11 years before we had a pretty deep bear market. And here we are again, uh, market down greater than 20%, but um, have faith that this too shall pass. The good news, I listen, I try to listen to a lot of economists and things like that and, and financial, other financial professionals in my world. The good news is that the economy was really strong before COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I think some economists will tell you that that bodes well for a fast recovery because the fundamentals in the economy were, were strong before this, which is not the case for the last crisis we had about a decade ago, where there were some significant uh, fundamental flaws in the economy and in the banking system uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in the last downturn that we had. So for what that's worth, the economy was healthy and the government is doing what they can to stimulate and lower interest rates and get money into people's pockets. And there's there's talk of another stimulus package coming. I've heard whispers about, uh, you know, payroll, uh, FICA taxes, payroll taxes, maybe being reduced or suspended. And there's things that the government is doing to help people through this, not that it won't be painful, but um, mm-hmm. but we'll get through this and have faith that this too shall pass. And certainly if you're an investor and you're seeing temporary declines in the value of your account, um, you know, please have a conversation with your investment professional before you, before you uh, take action and sell something because you're emotional about it. I mean, this is a temporary downturn and only an investor can make a temporary downturn a loss. The markets can't make this a loss. This is a temporary downturn in the markets and only an investor can make that a permanent loss um, by selling at, a, at an inopportune time. So have faith that this too shall pass. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You've been listening to McNamara on Money. I hope that we were in some ways comforting this morning. We were trying not to get too down about the situation and trying to be positive and have faith. And thank you again to Sharon and Mark McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate for joining me this morning, albeit from afar. Uh, we, were, we were social distancing ourselves. I hope everyone out there uh, stays healthy and stays calm and, um, and does what they can to flatten the curve. Again, words that I don't ever want to hear again in my life after, <laughs> after we flatten it. Uh, thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great one. Bye-bye.